Hi guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush it. This is Jason Feldman. He is the founder of uh, Vault Health, which is um, a me- it's a subscription-based telemedicine. What I was that the way you can call it? A telemedicine? Yeah. Company, great. Yeah. Uh, and he launched. You launched like a year ago, right? That's when you we actually did in launched last year. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I, I've been fascinated with your business for a plethora of reasons, which I was, you know, just saying. First of all, what I found fascinating, first of all, is that you're from Amazon. You were the president of uh, Amazon Prime, what, yeah, Direct? Prime Video Direct, yeah. The, the, the part of Amazon's Prime Video business that brought almost all the content, not the stuff from the studios, but everything else that makes Amazon Prime Video such a huge thing. That was where all the content came from, my team. So that's a, that's a, that's a huge job. And... You know what made you pivot from that to now being in the in the health space? Well, healthcare is terribly, terribly, terribly broken, right? It's just yes, it's, you you can't sure. get worse than what healthcare is. I mean, when you consider the number of people who are disaffected and frankly that will die younger than they should because they don't have access to healthcare, it just destroys me. And I'm an incredibly mission driven person. I feel like I I have a purpose, and my purpose has to be to make something better. And you know, while it was fun to make Amazon a better place to uh, serve customers, and there's no place better on earth if you want to learn how to do things. <laughs> at scale, it wasn't as fulfilling as doing something to fix healthcare. And that was my calling. And so here we are. Well, I mean, to even get to that place in Amazon, like I heard a couple, I had a, a couple of friends here a few years back to, to they're interviewing for, I think, a business affairs job or some type of like marketing job. And even the interviewing process was like so ridiculous and insane <laughs> that I was like, oh my God, it, it would be easier to do anything else. Like you, it'd be easier to become like the president of Pakistan being a US citizen <laughs> than to, to do with that. So, so how did you kind of even become like, what was the, what was the trajectory? How did you even get to that level at Amazon? in the first place? What were the like, what were the qualities about you that made you that that way? Well, I think, you know, Amazon, look, it's a little bit probably I didn't go to Harvard, but it's probably a little bit like getting into Harvard, you know, you cross that bar. And if you're good enough to be there, they want to keep you and figure out how to make you deliver as much value as possible, let you be as creative as, as innovative as you possibly can be. And so, you know, the whole company's mode of operation is around this idea of leadership principles. It's, you know, being very customer forward, working backwards from the customer to invent and have a tremendous bias for action for being able to deliver things. Uh, there's just a lot of things. And and one of the things that makes Amazon pretty famous in terms of people, <laughs> talent, uh, it, talent, really, there's a lot of things that make Amazon famous is that they look for people who are right a lot. You know, it's, it's, it's not so much that you have to be right all the time about every single thing. It's just that on balance, you, you think and act and make decisions that are just right the more often than they're wrong and when you're when you continue to do that the company recognizes you and keeps saying well you know you did a lot of good things here let's try you over in this other place and give you a chance to grow in another way that will help you not only develop but help this business grow faster well then how did so how did vault health become vault health so you are now at amazon you decide one day you know what i want to be in the health business because that's what i want to do then what was that what was the steps to get there (laughs) you know healthcare for me started when i was i was a kid a little kid i wanted to be a doctor and i I mean i remember having stuffed animals and operating on them when i was as young as four or five years old I, i i just i used to have some 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 family member was a doctor and gave me a a whole scrub suit and you know it was like five times bigger than me at that age and i lived with that thing i never washed it it was my favorite and I wanted to be a doctor and then I got to 10th grade geometry and I couldn't I couldn't get through it and that was the end of my medical career so (laughs) I think somewhere in my mind I thought well I'm going to come back to healthcare and my career was always very customer focused I always worked for big billion dollar brands I ran big brands and built big companies but I knew that my favorite thing to do was really my superpower is to is to is to think big and do big and that's what I did at Amazon. But then I thought, you know, if I'm going to really dedicate some point of my life, you know, has to be meaningful in some way, if I'm going to really dedicate myself to something, it's going to be healthcare. And so I was going to go be ready for this. I was going to go be the CEO of Jenny Craig. I can't, you know what? I was going to ask you about that, to be gonna, honest. I was going to go be the CEO of Jenny Craig. I like the weight loss business. That was going to be my foray into healthcare. So, because you know that... Jenny Craig, to me, I mean, I'm going to get probably slaughtered for saying this, but is 
let me just let me just like preface it differently. Is Jenny Craig uh, a health a healthcare business? I mean, it's packaged food that you warm up. I mean, the amount of probably chemicals that they're giving each person there is probably uh, I don't even want to know. Uh, so. How did that happen? Did they come recruit you? Yeah, did you-, you know, it was, it was, it was, I thought, I just didn't think there was a credible way that a guy that had been in retail and consumer brands for 27 or 28 years was going to find his way into healthcare in a way that was credible. Certainly not in a leadership role. What do I know about healthcare, except that I'm a customer and a hypochondriac. So that was my qualification. <laughs> but Those are good. <laughs> they're good. They're pretty good. So I, I got to the place where I was saying, you know, this is going to be a bridge and somehow I will do right. something. So when private equity came calling and said, Hey, Jenny Craig is a brand that has been around for 35 years. It's an opportunity for you to be able to take this brand and really reinvent it for the next generation of women and, and, oh, and bring men in too, by the way, I got excited by the idea that there is a tremendous problem with metabolic health in this country, probably yes. in many places in the world, but certainly we know in this country and metabolic health, takes a lot of different forms in terms of chronic disease, certainly diabetes, uh, you know, or probably one of the worst scourges of, of, of our, uh, of our society is just this pervasive obesity that exists, not just because of how we eat or how we behave, but our mental health. And then there are things that are just fundamentally wrong with our hormones. And so there were just a lot of reasons why I thought, all right, you know, maybe there's a way to get into Jenny Craig and help reinvent it and think about the metabolic health, not just selling food, but really changing, just ch- fundamentally changing the way our bodies work. That was my theory. Uh, anyway, I happened to be, I was still at Amazon. I was in New York. I was on a visit for some meeting or another. And uh, I was getting off of a train in Union Square and a headhunter called me and said, hey, this this company called Redesign Health, it's a venture capital firm. They actually, they're like a studio. They invent companies and they want to meet you. And I said, oh, that's, you know, that's nice. I'll, I'll meet him at some point. And I, I told him what I was going to about to go and do. And he said, well, you know, you're in New York, right? And I was like, yeah, I just here, but I'm only here for the afternoon. He's like, well, they'd love to meet you. Could you like maybe make that happen today? I said, no, I've got like two hours till my next meeting. They said, well, where are you? I said, Union Square. They're like, they're in Union Square. <laughs> and the rest is history. And so I, I, I stopped wow. in just to say hi. I wasn't really sold on any ideas in particular, but they told me about this idea that they had for men's health. And there were three compelling stats that they gave me and I, it, they caught me off guard. One was that 70% of men don't get any kind of consistent health care. Just men don't get health care. Um, five years younger than women, men are dying. So you yeah. take that number. So 70% and then five years. And then the number one reason for death is cardiovascular disease. And it's entirely preventable. There's no reason a guy should die of cardiovascular disease, right. especially if he knows what's up. And then they told me what their business idea was. And I said, that that just didn't track with me. I just didn't get it. And they said, well, why not? We've got, we just, you know, we've, we've got this big idea and we've raised a bunch of money and, you know, why not? This could be a really great opportunity. I said, I love the opportunity. I love the idea. It's just not for me. I don't think opening up clinics and helping guys with their hormone health is going to be the wave of the future. I think it needs to be something completely different. And they challenged me and they said, well, what would it be? And I said, ah, you know, I'd have to put some thought into it. And they're like, great, build a PowerPoint, tell us a story. And I said, like, I work at Amazon. We don't do PowerPoint. We write documents. They're like, great, write a document and tell us what you think. We'd love to hear it. I don't know what happened, but one thing led to another. I wrote a little document, told them what I thought. And the next thing you know, I'm leading a healthcare company. Oh my gosh. So there, the, so the initial idea was to do actual brick and mortar clinics. Yeah. So it was to open up basically hormone health centers for men. So, you know, they weren't retail. It could have been a medical office. And we opened up a couple of them in New York City. But my real idea was, you know, that's great because men, you know, just back up for a second. Women have gynecologists. And from a young age, right? I don't remember, you know, how old were you when you had your first gynecology appointment? Oh my God. I don't know. Maybe like 15, 16, probably like around then. Yeah. I've got, I've got 18 year old triplets and one, one daughter. What? Yep. Yep. And she, my daughter, uh, let's see, hold on a second. Last year I took her to, so she was 17, took her to her first gynecology appointment. No idea what really happened. But what I recognize (laughs) is that she has, you know, year by year, decade by decade, a consistent appointment that she will always have that will guide her sort of decade by decade into the kinds of things that she's going to need to know about first, you know, growing up and, and growing into her hormone health and then, and then, you know, eventually obstetrics and then, you know, whatever it is, but along the way, she will know as you probably did at a young age, that somebody in her life, you know, uh, uh, some some female figure in her life will yeah. end up in hormone therapy for a reason because you get to menopause and your body is going to need a 
recharge. Well, guess what? Men need the same thing. But what's very different from women is that men start needing it after the age of 30. And they don't know. Men don't know that we start to go through. That young? That young. I call it menopause. I call it man. Yeah, that's that's like, a good name. You should you should uh, coin that your term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the coin the ter- the term that I coined is uh, is what I really wanted to become. I wanted to become the gynecologist, the G U yeah. gynecologist. That would be great. By the way, why didn't you call Vault Health menopause? That would have been yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> because I had a bigger vision, and that's what's really happened. But we. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been a great name too. Menopause. But we talked, we talked about, we talked about how are we going to help guys? And the reality was if we, we knew that if we didn't take the, take the care to guys directly, take it to home, take it to where guys are, we would never get them to pay attention. And that's exactly the business that we ended up building so that we could help guys understand, Hey, guess what? After the age of 30, about every year, you're going to lose about 2% of your hormone balance, your testosterone. You're going to start to lose it. And that's your mojo. That's not just about, you know, building muscle. Yeah. It's everything to do with your health. And it actually leads to, if your low T is left untreated, it leads to heart disease and diabetes and all these things. Women have somebody caring for them. Men don't. So that's why men end up aging thinking like, this sucks. This is what it's supposed to be like, but it's not. And also, I would think that there's like an element of shame, right? So people don't want to go. Men don't want it's like a bravado, like you were saying, like people don't want to go and get that checked and have to deal with somebody face to face and all that other stuff. It's an, it's kind of a, a there's a shame aspect and embarrassing, even though there shouldn't be shame around it. But you know, human nature is human nature in a way, right? How many how many girlfriends have you talked about your period with over your life, like? A million. A million, right. Yeah. How many girlfriends have you ever talked about, you know, <laughs> just pick a problem that a woman has? Uh, I can know, yes, I can know. There's a bazillion. I mean, it kind of becomes like a joke and every commercial can talk. I mean, it's like you go to Ralph's and you can yeah. go get any kind of, you can get a tampon, you can get yeah. like a yeast infection medication yeah. or whatever it must be. You it's know what I mean? But guys, you will never find two guys, not ever find two guys who will say, hey, dude, how's your penis? I mean, yeah. it's, like, it's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. Ever. 100%. And so true. because of that, because guys just will not talk, it's your word. The bravado is there, the the shyness, the, the, the you know, all the words you can think of. Discomfort. Just so discomfort. Yes. It's incredibly bad. And so because guys don't feel free to have this conversation with each other, they don't have it at all. They don't have it with their significant other. They don't have it with their buds. They're just not having it. And so consequently, right. what happens? They don't take care of themselves and bad things happen. Yeah. And also with low testosterone, that's how you get weight gain, all these other problems that happen too, right? That's why they say like even the dad bod, right? Because over time, your test, your prior testosterone gets lower and lower. You're not working out. You're not burning fat. Your, your metabolic rate's lower. So, but- so, so guys end up, so here's, here's the thing that really drives me crazy. You've seen these companies out there that sell, I'm going to be a little bit crass, but they sell the dick pills, you know, yeah. Viagra, whatever, you know, they're selling all the generic stuff out there. Cialis. And guys, unfortunately, come to think of everything as being a problem. You know, so if it's a function around, you know, sort of sexual performance, they tend mm-hmm. to think of it as that. And that's unfortunate because erectile dysfunction or something going wrong in bed has as much to do with your heart health as it does to do with your mental health. But very often, it is not what you think it is. And for a guy that is actually suffering, and it's almost 50% of men that that have an ED issue that are having a cardiovascular issue um, that don't recognize that. So they think if they take a pill, they'll solve the problem. And then for the other guys that are suffering a real problem with libido. So imagine having a girlfriend or a boyfriend, whatever you have, and you are you know, not performing very well. And you think it's down there, but what it really is, is up here. It's in your head and it's a libido issue unrelated to sexual function, but related to sexual function. You're really not feeling it. You're not getting, you know, your mojo's not cranked. That's a different problem. And taking a pill won't make that problem any better. And so the frustration in a relationship is compounded by the fact that he's not talking about it. He's embarrassed about it. He's trying to solve it. He's not solving it. It's making it worse. And then he's, you know, you can you can stretch your imagination to, to guys we've talked to who've done some pretty bad things. They'll go out and they'll have, you know, a little extra fun somewhere to figure out if it's them yeah. or her or whatever, right? Like or all porn, that. or that's why porn's yes. on such a high, on such a high, uh, mm-hmm. on such a right rise right now, right? Because or not even just now, always, right? But also what happens the great desensitizer. Yeah. Exactly. And I think what also can happen 
is that once it gets in your head, that becomes actually does become a mental issue, right? Because then now you're constantly thinking about it and nervous about it. So, and you know, do, do you remember, it used to be a really huge business. It still is when people, the spam, when people would be selling those erect, like that would be like a bazillion dollar business just by going online in the gray, in the black market and buying whatever online or at these online pharmacies. What is really, is that the difference really between telemedicine and like online pharmacy is that you yeah, have a doctor? There's a lot of things. Yeah. yeah. So for us, look, we, we, we practice medicine and I'm not saying that the other guys out there that, you know, that sell the pills don't, they, they do what we call asynchronous health, asynchronous telemedicine. They're basically saying here, answer these six questions or whatever number of questions it is, send it to us. A doctor will review it basically to make sure that if we give you these pills uh, to give you a better erection, you're not going to die of a heart heart attack. You know, that's, that's effectively what they're doing. It's not great medicine because what you're saying to the guy is, Hey, your problem is your problem. So (laughs) self-diagnose, you think this problem, take the penis pill. You know, you're not, you're not any smarter because of anything you do in that process. You're just going to get the pill you really want. And at some point you're going to take the pill and go, you know what? This is not what my problem is. So you're going to sit there with a whole stack because you signed up for a subscription and every month you're getting a pile of these. And eventually you're going to look at it going, I'm not having nearly as much sex as I thought I was going to have. <laughs> and like, you know, what is wrong with me? It's not that. So with the way we look at it is that we take guys and we say, look, what is going to get you to come to see a doctor? What's going to get you to take control and own your health? Well, for most guys, it does have something to do with their sexual performance. If you said to a guy, mm-hmm. why would you go to a doctor? They'll say, well, if it makes me look better, feel better, perform better, you know, or think better, cognitive health is a really big one. If any of those things are true and you can make me perform better, a very guy word, perform, well, that will get me to the doctor. And if, oh, by the way, you help me with those things and in the process find out I have uh, you know, hypothyroidism, I have a cholesterol problem, I am pre-diabetic. Well, that's great. I'll take care of that. That was not what was going to get me to see you. I really want to just perform better in bed, or I want to get some weight gain with some muscle gain. I want to lean out, whatever it is, all those other things get me to you. But then if you can help me because you find these things that are really big problems for me, I'll totally, totally be grateful for that. And that's how we practice. You do. Okay. So I didn't even realize that I actually thought like, walk me through it because what I thought was you have verticals, right? So if it's a a hair issue, if it's a a a a libido problem, a hair issue, you pick your poison, weight loss or whatever, right? And you get a package sent to you. And before you, you do all of that, I thought you, you sit like this with a doctor. You do, you do, you do. Right? You do. With, our, with us, you are sitting with somebody who's an expert in men's health. That, that guy, necologist I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, what, that's the moment of truth because all the things that you could do online don't matter. Getting a guy to come in, you know, I, I say this very carefully. You know, you come in, if you come in through our website or we've, we've got a funny podcast called Get It Up or, you know, there's some other Great stuff name. we do. Who's <laughs> coming up with these names? Is this you? You're like a branding <laughs> expert. These are all, all three of those names, the, you know, menopause, the gynecologist. <laughs> These are great. You should, I can see why you were at Amazon for so long having, and be, we're doing so fun. well. We're having fun. Thank you. These are great names. The, the the process of getting a guy to pay attention is, you know, is is like getting his attention. You know, we think, all right, if we if we get his attention, sorry, if we bring him in and get his attention and get him focused on himself, then we get him in a situation like this where you and I see each other on a screen and we're talking expert to man and the man finally gets to unload and oh my gosh, do they ever unload. The minute you start opening them up saying, well, does this feel like this? Is this how you're, we kind of know. And the guy goes, oh, I finally get to tell you the problem that I'm having. Because the last time I went to a doctor, which was like four years ago, was a primary care doc. And no disrespect to that doctor, but like, you know, when I sat in that office for 30 minutes waiting for him to show up, you know, everybody told me I have to tell him the one thing that's important today because he doesn't have a lot of time. And so, you know, right at the time I was I was going to say goodbye to him and see him next year, I had this fear, like I was sweating bullets of like, I got to tell him about this thing that's wrong, but I'm embarrassed and he seems to want to leave. And, blah, 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 and now I get to tell you everything. And they unload on us. And as they unload, we start to understand what's really leading the, the charge for them in terms of what's wrong, what's making them anxious. We then send somebody to their home. We take blood. We do a quick, quick. I'm going to ask you, do you do that? So you do take blood, everyone, and biomarkers. Yeah, we got to see what's up. We got to get a benchmark of that. That's another big difference from the online pharmacies. We actually know what's happening in your body. So we put that together with what you're self-reporting. And then we come back to one of these appointments again where we're together. And we talk about what we now know to be the facts. And then we come up with a treatment plan. 
And that's how we help guys get there. And then we see them regularly and we're available seven days a week and we just keep up with them. And that is where guys end up understanding that when you take control of your health, you can actually make a difference and perform better. I tell you what, real example, I started some treatments last fall um, and then I started progressively adding. I'm like an experiment in my own biohacking. I just figured, you know, I'm the leader of this business. I should try it. I've right. got a chief clinical officer, a chief medical officer that are standing around me at all times. So I'm kind of like, all right, if this is the chance to try it, I'm going to go for it. And between March and now October, I've lost 46 pounds. I have gotten my endurance back. I don't exercise like I probably should. I really am not a big exerciser, um, but I definitely changed my metabolic health. I've changed a lot of things about my endurance and my physical strength. I've leaned out and I started to understand how this stuff really works. And now I'm actually advocating for myself. I wouldn't sell this to just anybody, but I'm just saying for myself, this is working and it's working because I actually understand what wasn't working because I have guys telling me now, doctors telling me now, here's why you weren't getting the results you wanted because you were deficient in these areas and I can fix that. So wait, so you lost that much weight and that, okay, so what, what did you do? What, 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 which package did you go on? Cause I mean, did you go on the hair loss back? I mean, you didn't do yeah. that. You did you do the, uh, I'm obsessed with my hair too. Yeah. I, I tried, I, I've tried everything. So no, but you do I, have a full head of hair, so you don't need that, that. So, so did you do the, the, what was it? The, the uh, libido package or the, what did you do? Tell yeah, us what so you I, did. I, so I, I ended up turned out that I was borderline low T. So borderline, what does that mean? It means that I was definitely head in the wrong direction. And part of it was because I was just heavier. I was I was carrying more weight than I should have. I didn't look like it. But I mean, to lose 46 pounds and sure. actually, I'm wearing my kid, one of my kids, I'm wearing his pants. I, I'm now at the weight that I was when I was a freshman in high school. It's crazy. But wow. the... Um, uh, so I'm doing that. I'm using some peptides. Peptides are an interesting... Yeah. Uh, an interesting... Um, uh, way of treating yourself. It's a little bit like a dimmer switch. You know, you, you're telling your body it's, it's, this is all bioidentical kind of stuff that I'm doing. So I'm replacing some of my testosterone, I'm replacing DHEA. So uh, there's some things that are wrong in my hormones. I was producing a little bit too much estrogen. All guys have estrogen. Yeah. My body was taking testosterone and converting a little bit too much of it to estrogen. So I had to temper that back down. Um, but then the peptides are interesting because what they do is they basically help your body regulate something. So in my case, I wanted to regulate uh, my growth and uh, my growth hormones. Now, this is not mm -hmm. taking growth hormones. This is telling my body it already produces growth hormones when I go to sleep at night. Do a little bit more of that, and it helps me to to really improve my metabolism in my case and lean me out. Um, and Did then you CPG was that a twelve ninety five CP? Yeah, CJC twelve ninety five. Yeah, it's an ipamorelin. Yes, I mean not complicated stuff. This isn't rocket science. This is being able to tune the kind of treatments that work for my body, which would not be the same that would work for somebody else, maybe. I'm glad you brought up the peptides because um, I'm, I'm really interested in that because there's been a lot with those, right? Because people have seen amazing results. It's not one of those wellness trends that most people even know about, I feel, because that's kind of what I'm in. I'm in the, the world of wellness. I live mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. So mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people I know are doing them. Uh, but there's been issues with it because I feel that I've heard a lot of people don't have access to them anymore because of the FDA. So, so a lot of people who were prescribing them aren't able to prescribe them because they don't have access. Do you find that to be an issue? Yeah, or? it's it's one of the reasons why the the men's health business is 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 so good for us because guys just don't know where to go. They don't know who's legit. They don't know if they're going to get the care that's going to take care of them or they're going to be expected to actually prescribe themselves. You know, you couldn't, you'd be hard pressed to find a doctor who can really prescribe peptides. Or even frankly, if you were to go to a primary care doctor as a man and say, take care of my hormones, they would send you somewhere else, likely to a urologist. And you go, why yeah. a urologist? Well, because testosterone is made in your testicles. That's a terrible reason to go to a urologist. They're proceduralists. It doesn't mean that they can't and that they won't help you with your hormones. They totally will. That is the discipline that will. I'm around urologists all the time. But it just doesn't make sense that you have to wait to go to see a surgeon to get your hormones fixed. So it's just that medicine has not trained people in a specific discipline to take care of things. Whereas if you're a woman and you go to your gynecologist, she will totally, I'm saying she, it could be a guy gynecologist, I suppose, <laughs> but they, they will take care of you. They will give you what you need as a hormone replacement and they will take care of you. And that's something that guys just don't have the ability to get. And so we, we're making that far more accessible and easier and it's helping us actually help, help more people. So the, how are the doctors? So you have, you have doctors in uh, the actual in, in these cities to not just do a conversation on a computer, but they come and physically see the person at their home, like a concierge medicine situation. 
so we actually know so everything happens on telehealth the the phlebotomy the blood draws and and some of the vitals and some of the other things we're doing that happens um in home we will we will come to home if we need to if we oh, need vitals, send a nurse or yeah. we'll send somebody to you and then all, all the rest it. yes all the rest of the care is happening through through telehealth it doesn't we don't need to physically you know, see you every single time we treat you. We'll see you, you know, two, three times a year. But on balance, when when you need to see us, it's it's probably something that we can do in that way. And so, do you? I feel like there's been like a big trend with this too, right? Like there's been a lot of companies coming on, like you know, him's doing something, you're doing like a lot of people uh, are, are are like in this space now. Like, what happened? Is it because there was like why now? Is it because of the fact that? Was there like a big screaming need somewhere that someone saw it and now they're jumping on it? What's the difference? Like, how do you like, yeah. what's the difference? Men, 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 like everything else, you know, you fill the gaps when you see them. And if you're clever and you're an entrepreneur and, you know, we just did that with uh, with COVID testing, I'll tell you about. But the yeah, but the but the, but the reality for us was in men's health care, there is such a care desert. It's a term that's used in a different way. Usually a care desert tends to be somewhere in the US or in the world where there isn't great health care and people really suffer as a result of not being able to find practitioners who can take care of them. And, and then they end up suffering things that they shouldn't suffer. But um, I kind of talk about that for men a little bit more broadly, because if a guy doesn't know where to go, and the most he's ever going to do is walk into a quickie clinic, and something's not working, something's broken, and he'll go get it taken care of, or he's gotten the flu or something's happened. And that's the only occasion that he goes and gets health care, then he doesn't have a benchmark that he should have to know where he is in his healthcare. So even simply knowing where you are relative to your blood health, you know, where is all your chemistry? What levels are things at? So if something goes wrong and the last time you saw a doctor was six years ago, no one knows what's normal for you. They just know where to look at you now and say, well, something doesn't look right, but I don't know if that's your normal or that's just a situation that you've created or that has been created because of something that's happening to you right now. So we like to think about this as a way to say, let's go fill the market by filling the place where guys haven't been able to get the kind of care. And then if we can build that space and others come in and follow, great. But the guys that are out there, the companies that are out there selling the pills, that worries me. It just worries me because the more pills and potions and lotions and other things that they put out there, the more they're giving guys the opportunity to just cheat. Um, yeah. Say not go to the doctor, not check up and see where they are and, and get a good line of, uh, of health. More from our guest, but first a few words from our sponsor. Get ready to exceed your 2021 sales goals with the help of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn Sales Navigator is the best version of LinkedIn for sales. You get to tap into the power of LinkedIn's 700 million plus member network. Plus, you get 20 monthly in-mail messages, lead recommendations, unlimited searches, and actionable insights. You target the right prospects and decision makers. And guys, as the world adapts to these new working habits, sellers must also shift tactics to stay ahead. And LinkedIn Sales Navigator is here to really up your game. Start your 60-day free trial of LinkedIn Sales Navigator today by going to linkedin.com slash habits. That's linkedin.com slash habits to start your 60-day free trial of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. LinkedIn.com slash habits. And now to our next sponsor. So do you finish your work week and cannot believe how little you actually got done? Do you feel that you're busy, but not really that productive and that you're spending hours and hours on email and you don't know where the time has gone? Because if that sounds like you, I know it sounds like me, Belay is your company. Belay is this incredible organization revolutionizing productivity with their virtual assistant, bookkeeping, and social media strategist services for growing organizations. Learn to focus on productivity rather than profits for a more successful company. And Belay's productivity guide is a compilation of their most tried and true resources for mastering the art of a productive work week, which includes time hacks, organizational tips, delegation advice. I mean, it has it all. Learn how to boost your productivity and accomplish more with Belay's resource, your personal guide for a productive work week. Visit belaysolutions.com slash habits to download it free 
today. That's belaysolutions.com slash habits to download it free today. So how are you marketing to guys then, right? Because obviously you're a master at direct-to-consumer, right? So you, if anyone could do it, it would be you. What has been kind of your, like, how, how have you been doing it? How have you been able to, like, did you start with a couple markets and then expand? What, what was your process? We did, we did, we did. When, when we started the business, it all happened in New York. And, you know, talking to guys in New York is not particularly hard because it's a small, <laughs> town, you know, it's a big town, but small town. Uh, right. And then we expanded out to South Florida and we were talking to guys that look totally different from New Yorkers. And then little by little, we expanded. But um, most of the way that we started this business, which was kind of ridiculous, was using the digital channels, the traditional digital channels of Facebook and Google. And I railed right. against it. I mean, it was one of the things that I complained about when I was joining this business. I was like, what the hell are we doing? 48 year, right. I was 47 at the time, but 47, 48 <laughs> year old guys are not you know, buying testosterone by scrolling through their Facebook feed. What the hell are we doing here, people? We got to have ways of reaching them that are going to be where they are. So it's, you know, all the vehicles you would think about, but, you know, in launching the podcast and being able to put marketing in channels where they're, you know, they're listening or reading or following along other people, um, influencers, uh, and then just lots of media that guys are exposed to. That's where we started going. But ultimately, it's getting guys to a place where, they won't talk or recommend necessarily the kind of treatments that they're getting, but they'll say, hey, you might want to check this out. And so we've started to get guys to, you know, to have excuses to, to sort of pass on that they they know Vault and they like Vault and Vault's kind of helping them, maybe not on what we're helping them with, but they're kind of talking about it. And that worked. But the ultimate thing that really worked was that uh, in March, when it looked like the world was starting to fall apart uh, we which feels like 30 years ago doesn't it like it does I tell me about it it sure does we uh, we uh, I was on the uh, the floor of the New York Stock Exchange we were relaunching the vault brand we had just converted our entire brand and website like before that we looked like an Eastern European car brand called the vault it was horrible <laughs> um, and we, we rebuilt this whole brand experience and we were on the floor of the exchange our PR team had organized a TV interview that just was down there I'd always wanted to go to the floor of the exchange and the market crashed that day it's like, oh shit, like this is this is bad news, especially when we're about to go tell the story of the brand, the vault, the big men's health business. And we had all this stuff lined up, all this media. We were gonna go kill it. We we're gonna go tell the world, billboards everywhere, all this stuff, like TV, radio, all this stuff. And that was the day the market crashed. And I was like, it, this sucks. Cause now, you know, what are oh we gonna do? This was I remember exactly where we were. It was March 12th. Like we go back, you know, our head tails between our leg, tail between our legs, go back to the office and we're like, all right. Immediately, we got to do something. Our offices in twenty on Twenty Third Street in Manhattan, where a bunch of startups are, a bunch of people were starting to think about going home, not coming back to the office anymore, furloughing people. We knew people were going to start losing jobs. It was crazy. It was right before New York killed thirteen thousand people. And oh and we said, all right, we got to do something. Like this is going to be bad. So we immediately stopped all spend, just kept our powder dry. I ended up having to build a plan. I knew I needed to build a plan to like, you know, what would I do if I had to kill a company to survive, live off of our cash? And what was that going to look like? That was miserable. And then the third thing was I launched every product we had planned to launch for 2020 all at once. And also launched, um, we were only in four states at the time. And I told the team, I'm going to do something insane. If this is going to be a sinking ship, bring everything that we have on deck and we're going to launch 37 states and we're going to become national and we have to do it in two weeks because if we're going to go down, we're not going to go down without swinging. And so we did something insane. I had every engineer, everybody, everybody was working in crazy hours to try to do this and we got it all launched. And then I wow. thought, what the hell are we going to do? Because this is still not going to save us. And we were working on a really cool um, fertility test for men to tell them their biological age using their sperm. Pretty funny thing. And uh, we, oh, were, wow. we were doing it. Yeah, it's really cool. I'll tell you about that. But um, we were doing this 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 program at Rutgers University, their genomics lab. And I saw that the team at Rutgers was building a saliva test using, uh, sorry, a COVID test using saliva. Mm -hmm. And so I asked them, I was like, can we maybe, we built this whole telehealth thing. You know, could we launch an at-home testing business? Because, you know, you can't get a COVID test in America anywhere. Maybe we could help. And they said, oh, that'd be a great idea. Except two weeks ago, the FDA said no more at-home tests. So I was like, all right, um, I didn't mean at home test. I meant, um, what I meant to say was, can we launch a physician ordered test that might happen at home? And they're like, well, that's a good idea. And so 
Uh, so I, 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 you know, I got the team refired up again. And for another two weeks solid, we built this crazy thing. I, by the way, I might've told them that we could handle more than, you know, a hundred telehealth calls. Yeah. We couldn't, we had 43 people could handle about a hundred calls. Uh, that was in March, um, April the 10th at night on a Friday night, the FDA, uh, gave Rutgers an emergency use authorization. And by Monday we launched a testing business across the United States in all 50 States. And uh, in October, our business is now a few hundred million dollars, about a thousand people. And um, we're one of the largest testing companies in America with millions of tests to help people get back to work, back to school, back to, you know, life uh, as much as you can in COVID. It's crazy. So you totally just pivoted to becoming that, right? Like just how some companies were like manufacturers, they pivoted to make these masks, right? Everyone was making masks for a while because yeah. they couldn't sell anything else. So you actually has, you've actually made that kind of money just in the last few months from pivoting to COVID testing. And I saw also you have partnerships with like JetBlue and all the, you know, NHL and yeah. MLB and... Yeah. So are they are they all just using your is everybody just using your testing now? Well, let me ask you this. Would you would you like to have a nasal swab that like touches your brain? <laughs> like, yeah. Or would you want to spit in a tube and 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 find out? Like that's the answer. And so, you know, the we we made the right decision. We're still so, you know, the saliva test, this is the biggest saliva test in America, but it's the only test in America that you can actually still do at home. Now we have we have three is it accurate? Yeah. Is it accurate test? Accurate. Yeah, it's the most accurate test out there. And the reason for it is the nasal swab, think about this. When a practitioner who has to, by the way, be in full PPE, right, mask, yeah. arm, hold, head, everything, because they're going to get up in your nasal cavity, they're not getting near you without having the full PPE. They get up in your nose, they're like making you squirm, and they have to touch virus on the tip of that swab, and then they have to get it back to the lab. In our case, we're taking a tube that you're spitting about, you know, a tablespoonful of saliva into this tube. If you're sick, there is a lot of viral RNA on that in that tube. So you get a lot of accuracy because you now have all this sample as opposed to that one little swab touch that goes in the back of both of your nostrils. So so yeah, so it the, the false negative rate, which is the thing we're most concerned about, like telling people when they get their results, you're negative. When you're actually positive, that's a disaster. The false negative rate of nasal swabs are about 25 to 35%, but for saliva, it's less than 1%. So the accuracy is really great. The sensitivity and specificity, which is the famous you know terms that are used around a genetic test, this is a genetic test, um, are, are 95 to 98%. So this test is super accurate, super easy, and really fast. Wow. How about the other swabs? The ones I, I've gotten a few times because a couple of my friends who are here uh, do uh, they're they basically now they're concierge doctors and they basically have been doing a ton of these tests. They have those. Um, they, they prick your finger yeah. and the, and they also, the ones that go in your nose, but it doesn't go that far. It goes oh, away. Yeah. Half. yeah. The mid turbinate ones. Yeah. You, so the, the, the finger prick I'll tell you about, but the, but the, the, there are other nasal swabs that you can do. The problem in general with all of this is that, you know, you really are concerned about the person administering the test. You want to make sure if you're, if you're, if somebody's doing it right, you're good. When one in three mm -hmm. tests come back with a, with the wrong answer, you might not be good. So if you're getting tested regularly, it doesn't matter what test you're using. You're just glad that you're using a test to make sure so you can get out in public and do what you got to do. Stay safe. Then the finger prick is a different thing. That's an antibody test. And that's a whole other story that is completely not useful unless you just want to know if that sickness that you had in the early part of the year, that, that cold or cough yeah. you had that you couldn't figure out and didn't know why you were so sick before we all knew what COVID was. You want to just find out if that's what you had. You can do an antibody test and find out if you test positive, which for that test is the right answer that tells you, yeah, you know what? You have some antibodies in you, which means you were, you were sick, but that is not a useful test at all to know if you're sick right now. That could be it's a not? Really problem. Not at all because you could be sick. Um, and, 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 and actually be producing antibodies and you could still be, you could still be in that phase of being sick and not know that thinking, well, if I'm testing positive, I probably was sick at some other time, you know, about 45% of Americans right now, and probably the world, but we know it, at least in this country, 45% of people are asymptomatically sick. They have no idea. They're walking yeah. around, no symptoms and they're sick. Uh, and so if you don't get a test, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people that we test that are, they're saying, Oh, I'm going to Hawaii. I'm going my family vacation. And then, you know, four or five people in the family are fine. And one of them shows up as positive. And you're like, well, first of all, this might not be good for the rest of your family. But second of all, even though you feel great, you're sick, you can't go. 
And they're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I feel fine. I'm good. I got to get on this trip. We planned it. I got to get on this trip. And you can't. You're sick. How about the those ones that go halfway up your nose? It's fine. You can, any of them can be fine. Listen, there's nothing. If you're going to get a test, be glad that you can get a test. That That's fine. Just recognize that those, the halfway up the nose, the ones that go in your throat, the ones that swab your cheek, they all come with some kind of, of potential false negative rate as all tests will and false positive, by the way. Um, as long as you're taking a PCR test, this is the genetic test. You're good. The ones you keep hearing about now that are like the $5 tests, the they're called antigen mm-hmm. tests. Sometimes I didn't ask you about that. That's not so good. I'll tell you why. It can be good, but those are tests that that you have to take basically, you know, every day or a few times a week to make sure that you're okay. And the reason that those tests are good they're they're cheap, so you can do them often, but they're only used for screening purposes. They're it's the kind of thing like if you were a sports team and you couldn't afford to do um, the PCR test, which can be a little pricey, and you're doing these antigen tests, you're taking them a couple times a week, you're going to know they just have a lower level of sensitivity. They're not as accurate. But if you take them every day, or every other day, at least that lower accuracy will prove out when you're just continuing to take it on and on. So there's just these are things that people don't broadly know, because who's educating anybody, the federal government isn't doing it. Right, so you have to tell each other what the real story is. So if I went on, on your website, girl, guy, whatever, I can yeah. just buy one of these tests yeah. and and I, how much was the price point of just the test? So if you were to get one today, JetBlue is out there today and they're, they're uh, helping us and, and it's about $143. If you get it on our website, it's about $150. We're pushing that price down as low as we can go. So I, I'm looking forward to that. Something really cool is coming. We just figured out how to do a test for the flu along with the COVID test. So think about this. What happens to you when you... In the next month, God forbid, you know, you wake up one day and you just feel terrible. What are you going to think you have? Right, right. Let's not go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you feel terrible. What do you think it's going to be? It's going to be like, oh, God, now I have COVID. I have right? COVID. Yeah, exactly. But, like everybody thinks. But the flu is out there. It's as big as it will ever be. I mean, it's out there. And so if you find out that you have the flu, you know, and nowadays it's almost silly to say this. You're like, oh, thank God it's just the flu, right? Like, yeah, right. I'll go home, yeah. drink juice for six days and I'll be fine. I don't have to have contact tracing. I don't have to be in quarantine. I just need to, you know, stay in bed, get better. I'll be okay. So we're now going to go ahead and, and we're going to build that in. So it'll be the same price. So you'll get a COVID test and a flu test. And now we'll be able to tell people. So we do a lot of testing on college campuses. We do a lot of testing in corporate America. We're testing entire states now. We go into states and we're responsible for all the testing in these states. And the public health departments are so glad to know that we're going to help them with food testing because the COVID testing is taking up all the capacity in these labs and they aren't going to be able to diagnose who has the flu and who has COVID. And it's so much more expensive to take care of people with COVID than it is with the flu. So we're going to try to help them settle that. When will that be ready? In two weeks. We're going to start that in two weeks. So it's going to it's going to be going. So does anybody else have access to these saliva tests like you or that's just. Yeah, there are some other people out there. I mean, listen, we just got we got we got into it early because we thought this was going to. Well, I told you well, the story why. Yeah, we, we, well, it's great. We, I, I, we needed to do it, you know, but but because we got a head start, no one knew back in April. I mean, we, we were ready to go, as I told you, on that first Monday uh, back there in April when the when when we were approved. And, you know, on day one, there were like some friends and family members that took the test. And like for a month, we were like, oh, no, no one's getting a test. But duh, everybody was at home yeah. you know, being quarantined. And then the PGA called us and they said, we want to get golfers back on the golf course. Can you help us? And that was the start. Once the golfers did it, then the then the NBA right. wanted to do it. And the, you know, sports came back, and then college sports came back, and then colleges came back, and then businesses came back, and it's just been building ever since. And momentum. That, that's the momentum. Yeah, that's it. You got you get one, and then everyone else kind of com- comes and follows. So then, like now, what? So you're still going to be doing the test. You mentioned a test about the fertility, taking a test to your age. Is that like a telomere test? Is that what it so was? So this or? is an epigenetic test. So you know, your DNA is your roadmap. That's that's what your body is working off of to decide. You know that you're going to have you know long hair, and you're going to be a certain height, and I'm going to have this hair, and I'm going to you know whatever. DNA is your roadmap. Uh, your epigenetics. So that that's your genetics. Your epigenetics. Mm-hmm are the is the effect that the world and that what you do the way you eat the way you behave the way you sleep you know if you smoke that's what you do to create change to your to your roadmap so this is an epigenetic test and what it does is guys donate a sample 
<laughs> and then we take we take fun. Their, yes, that's it's the most fun test you can actually take. <laughs> um, but you you donate a sample, and when it gets to the lab, uh, it's 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 a genetic test. So what an epigenetic test? So what we're looking for is to understand the impact of all the things you do in your life uh, on on your DNA. And so what happens is is that it comes back and it says, "All right, Jason, you are forty eight years old, but your sperm, <laughs> your biological yeah. age." is 51. And here's why. Uh, your weight is out of balance. I don't happen to smoke or drink, but you know, if you did, that can do it. Um, if you eat poorly, if you, you know, don't exercise, there's a whole series of things that you do to your life. And this test comes back and says, these are the things that are actually making your sperm older than you are, which is to say your biological clock, which mm -hmm. is to say, if you're at the age of having kids, that can be an impact. Because if you're, if your chronological age is 27, but your biological age is like 38 and you're at 27 thinking, well, I just, you know, I'm not going to get married. I'm not going to have kids for another few years. If you keep up that trend, by the time you're ready to have kids in your early thirties, your sperm might be well into its forties. And that's where you can lead to birth defects and other bad things happening. If you get pregnant as opposed to, and this is what's so interesting. If you get those things under control because you know right. about them and you understand the impact, you can actually roll back your biological age. You can actually roll back the clock. It's the right. only thing you can do. You can't change your genetic age, but you can change your biological age by getting your health back in order. And you can bring your sperm <laughs> or your, you know, again, your fertile <laughs> health back down. But it really is an interesting indicator. And it tells guys, this is your clock. So then what, so what next? So, so now I know you're doing all the COVID, yeah. that, that test is a great test for, for men. Are you going to start expanding now into female, to women and females and uh, doing a whole different vertical just yeah, for them? Sure. Yeah. So, so, so what has happened now? I mean, imagine that, you know, here is a company that was really young, just trying to come out of the ground, just relaunching our brand. And now we've built Basically, our entire roadmap, our entire strategy for 2021, a year from now, we built that in 10 days uh, and then maybe a few months after that. But <laughs> you know, in this last several months, we built Amazing. everything we had planned for 2021. So, you know, that old expression is sort of, if you, you know, once you achieve your dreams, you just got to dream bigger kind of thing. Yep. That's what we are doing. So we're, we're now in the process of launching a, a really a full scale diagnostics business. I mean, we, we figured out how to give you the kind of care at home we figured out how to give men that care at home. We did a pretty good job of it. We're doing a good job. But we're still very much in that business. Yeah. Um, and then we said, all right, well, now we can do testing on a national level. So let's just go ahead and expand this. There are lots of people that are sick with lots of different things, lots of chronic conditions, lots of stuff is making harder it harder to live in life. Why go to a doctor and have to sit there for a visit that you really don't have to sit there for if you can be at home? And as we all learned during COVID, if you wanted to go see a doctor, guess what? In the last few months, you probably had a telehealth appointment because you couldn't get yeah. into a real doctor. True. Right, 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 right. Right. You couldn't get into the office, I mean. So so now, so like telehealth is the wave of the future, period. I mean, that's just going to happen. But why would you ever, from this point forward, ever want to go into the doctor's office if you don't have something to do there physically? If it's yeah. just sit there and talk to her or talk to him for a minute and then go down the hall to the lab and give blood, we can just do that at home. Let's keep it simple. And that's what we're doing. So we're expanding now, uh, you know, as we do business anyway, across the whole country, um, we're expanding now all over the place. And yeah, you can, you can look forward to some cool things with, with men and women. But also for women, I like that. But for women, like your website is very male centric. It's great. Um, are you going to have, you know, not to compare you to like a him or hers, but like, are you going to have a female centric website and a female centric so taking care of female, even though they can go to the gynecologist and do all those things, you know, taking care of like, helping them with weight loss, recovery, you know, libido, because women can have the same issues maybe too, right? Um, you are, you, it's like you're reading from a strategy book inside. Right <laughs> no, yeah, stay tuned. There's I'm good of, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of cool stuff coming. I, 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 I every day, I, I, you know, my, my mojo's on full tilt now. Like I'm excited every single day because my, my whole reason for being, I've, I've always felt this isn't, isn't about making money, isn't about trying to, you know, have all the things that happen in business, you know, being successful in business, it's, it's, it's about doing good for people. I really genuinely have, have had the mindset always in my life and now putting it in practice in business and a business that I'm, you know, founding and, and helping to lead that if we can, if we can do something that simplifies and makes healthcare more accessible to more people, everybody wins because, you know, healthy people 
are productive. Healthy people innovate. Healthy mm-hmm. people live successful, happy lives. Unhealthy people are the opposite of all of that. And when you have a society with that imbalance of people who just don't have access, who are right. sicker than they should be, who will not have the advantages that everybody else has that can afford health insurance and can afford good care, then you you have all these other things that I believe come from that, which, you know, is a society that we don't want to live in. So, you know, maybe I'm, you know, you can accuse me of being too much of a do-gooder in some some sense, but I think for us, if we can make it available at healthcare, um, more broadly available to everybody, men, women, children, you name it, um, then we, we will have achieved what, or at least we'll be on the path to achieving what we really meant to set out to do. Okay. Now I have a couple of just questions here. So out of, besides the COVID testing, which I know that's how you guys, you guys like exploded, right? With all these saliva testing, just on the verticals you had before then, what were the, what was the most popular? Was it libido? Was it hair loss? Which, or weight loss? Which one was the most popular for men? Uh, the, t- Two most popular, I'd say, it's definitely sexual function. There's no question. I think right. the guys that were able to discern that it was their libido and not their penis that was the problem, <laughs> um, you know, it comes down to that, yeah. are the happiest ones. They're, they're the ones who are like, oh, my God, you turn this on and everything changes. She loves me. <laughs> I love me. Like, this is all great. I didn't know it could be this good. I, I feel like I'm like 18 again. Right. Um, that one is pretty amazing because it's a big unlock for guys. Um, no hair is insignificant. No, you know, most guys are like, they get over that pretty quickly. I think there are some guys that are obsessed. I'm a little obsessed with my hair, but you know, it's kind of like a little superficial, but it, it's my thing. Um, but the other one, That's really, okay. you're allowed. It's, it's my thing. Um, but the other one is, um, their body, you know, endurance, you get to an age as a guy and it usually is your late thirties, but definitely into your early forties where you just, you start getting that weight in the midsection, mm-hmm. you start, you start losing muscle mass in places that you're working out and trying to put the muscle mass on, but no matter how hard you work out, you just can't do it. And then if you go to the doctor, inevitably the doctor says, well, you should eat better. You should sleep better. You should exercise more. And you're like, doc, like, fuck you. Like, I, I know that. Like, I don't need that one right. more year. Like, don't tell me that. What I need is something that's going to be a pill. I need, you know, and no, you don't need right. that either. You need to get your life in control. But in many cases, if your hormones are out of balance, you are not going to perform the way you can. And so that's part of where we've been really magical and giving these guys basically the unlock to their health. They, they understand if they get that fixed, all of a sudden, all the things they want to do, the working out, the playing hard, you know, all those things start to happen because now their body can accept it. Can you, oh, that's great. I, I like that answer. Good one. Um, I, I wanted to, I wanted to pick your brain here because I think there are a lot of people who probably listen to this podcast and the fact that, you know, going back to the Amazon just for a little bit or your, or your background with direct to consumer, can you give a couple of good practice, uh, easy or not easy, I shouldn't say that, it's not easy, tips on how to really get to the consumer um, effectively and efficiently beyond just saying Facebook ads, Google ads, like some strategies, like some tips on strategy. I want to pick your brain since I have you in front of me. Yeah, I have a really hard time with the fact that Facebook and Google, which are obviously massive marketing engines for everybody, they take lots of your money. Mm-hmm. And you know, I love both products just in daily life, but they're not great in business because they take lots and lots and lots of your money. And like every other brand out there, they're, you know, they're deciding algorithmically who they're going to serve it to and where, it, you know, who's going to see it. And then, you know, you have to kind of have the right audience. It's just a lot of things have to work and it's expensive and it's hard and it just doesn't work for everything. So I always believe you have to look for not only who your customer is, um, you know, in, and that's a, you think that's kind of common sense, but just because like we serve men, but it's not that we serve all men. We serve men that have particular issues in mind. You know, if you try right. to serve any guy and he's not interested or it doesn't resonate with him, you're just going to miss. So we try to be in the places where he is. So where are guys? Well, you know, they're in a lot of different publications. They're on a lot of different podcasts. They're reading different kinds of news. They're using different kinds of apps. Um, they're, they're engaging in society in different ways. And so you have to really go back and say, who does your target audience look like? Who does your target audience use for information? And who does your target audience listen to? And when you ask those main questions, you can come back very quickly with a list under each of those categories and start to say, all right, what can I afford? Because, you know, we don't have the luxury of being Coca-Cola or, you know, it's the worst healthcare brand ever. But, you know, <laughs> I, I love the company, but it doesn't matter to me, you know, if right. it, 
If I, if I find another Coke ad, it's like, I know Coke exists. I I'm trying to figure out as a healthcare brand, how do I put myself out there um, to, 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 to make sure that people can see me? I have to be seen in places where the guy is already in the mindset of I care. So, you know, any of those health journals, blogs, um, influencers that talk to guys and that tell guys like, this is how I'm thinking. You may or may not think like me, but if you're thinking like me, here are some of the things I'm doing. Guys are really responsive to when they see or hear another guy who's like them. Um, they respond really, really well. So it's not the traditional marketing that you'd like to think it is. It isn't just slapping an ad up and hoping a guy will see it. There's some of that. You can, can you get on the radio? Sure. Can you get on TV? Maybe if you can afford it. But if you can be in the place where guys are having those exposures, you have a much better shot of winning. I, I'd love to say and it just doesn't work for our business. Referrals would be awesome. There's just a lot of reasons yeah. why it doesn't work. I told you what some of them are. Guys just yeah. won't, won't do right. that. That's the, big, that's the big one for you. Yeah. They won't. I mean, they'll refer their gym. They'll refer their, you know, the favorite restaurant. They'll refer a drink that they love. But when it comes to like, hey, you know, I feel a certain way. Eh, you, maybe <laughs> there's a little bit of that, but that doesn't really work. So, right. so for us, we've had to find ways of doing that. But we've, we've spoken to them. We've built an enormous amount of content. We're cranking out content like crazy. And we're making sure that our content lives in other parts of the web, especially. Um, guys are very famous for using Dr. Google, which is like the worst possible way to cure yourself. But, you know, guys will go out and look for things because they're privately stressing over what's yeah. wrong and they start searching for things. So we try to go out there into the places where they ultimately land, you know, any form of communication out there, especially um, things that they're reading, like the blogs and the vlogs yeah. and some of the other stuff. Yeah. So I, I wish I could say that it's totally formulaic in every other business I've ever been in. It is totally formulaic. It is right. not the case in healthcare. Well, because you had such a, well, not, you had $30 million, I think I read that you guys were first, you know, initially. And in, in, so where did, how did you divvy up where that went? Can, we can you tell yeah, us a little uh, well, bit? An enormous amount of it went into building a tech stack. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I come from, you know, the world's greatest tech company and building, building something that could scale at the level that it has, you know, we built our men's healthcare business and all the cool capability, telehealth and the e-prescribing, all that stuff. We built that. And, and because we had that, we were able to go do this massive COVID business. So right. we, we've built a lot of, of really cool software that lets us do things that companies that are years older than us and much bigger than us, or at least were much bigger than us. Now we're probably right up there with them have spent years building. We built all of that. That was my number one focus. We spent a lot of money there, but marketing is so expensive. Those other yes. companies that you talk about, you know, some of those competitors in the online pharmacy space, they spend five, $10 million a month. So if we did that, we'd be broke in five minutes. So you, we had to get really humble and we got to get really clever and very grassroots and guerrilla in the way we were marketing. So you don't spend that kind of money that they would spend? Oh, they don't spend way, time. no. And my favorite thing to do was PR. You know, if you can go get other people to, to, to advertise for mm -hmm. you and tell the story and listen, I mean, it. I'm going to say this and I'm going to tell you, I am a really, 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 really humble person. I probably am too humble in a lot of ways, especially when you're leading a company and trying to get people to pay attention to your company. But because of the good work that the team has been doing around COVID and helping people get back to life, uh, we've been very fortunate that the PR has been, you know, very generous. So whether right. it's being on the Today Show or CNBC or whatever, you know, all over the place, in the New York Times every other week, we're constantly getting exposure. So that PR... Um, you know, somebody showed me the other day that we've had something like 800 billion impressions and, and, you know, an impression can be a lot of things, that's but, amazing. but it is amazing for a company that's less it than months old. It's really cool. And I'm very proud. The team did this. This was not me. I, it's not me. And, and so because the team was able to do this, we're benefiting from getting guys now to pay attention to vault. So now, you know, while I can't spend the kind of money to get 800 billion impressions, I can definitely win people over to say, look, we're helping people come check us out and let us help you in a different way. So then how was your podcast, get it up, which is a great name. Who do you have on then? Is this basically guys who are sharing their stories or is it like experts in the in the male area? Like who goes on yeah, there? It's our chief like, medical officer, uh, Miles Spar, and our chief clinical officer, Alex Pasashek. They're both doctors. I'm the healthcare, you know, idiot. I, I never know what's really true in healthcare or not. So I, I kind of play the foil and the guys are, you know, our experts. It's pretty funny actually. And then there are guys. So we opened up a, a, a call line for guys. We put out sort of an APB oh. to all guys and we said, call us with your issues. And then we'll take those issues and like, we got, you know, tons and tons of calls and, and we took those issues and then we made the whole show around that issue. And then, um, and then we started having some guests come join us because that was fun. It's really turned out to be a lot of fun. The best part is, 
because I, you know, we were new to podcasting, or at least I was um, when we started this thing um, back in the beginning of the year. And it's funny, we're we're really big in all of the uh, the Middle East countries right now. It turns really? out, really, <laughs> yeah, Iraq, Jordan, yeah, Afghanistan. We're huge. We're big. Libya. We're big. We're really big in Libya and Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so we must be doing something right. But I don't know you- in the U.S. And are you able to, I, too bad, can, you, can your <laughs> subscription packages go that far? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's interesting, isn't it? Like you think about where some of these countries are and you got to think that there are guys out there that would love to be able to ask some of these questions too. I make the joke, but it's true. It's funny. I saw this whole, uh, this whole chart. That's funny. Point. Guys, you know, think about this. You're wearing headphones. You're in the gym. You don't know how to have this conversation. It's uncomfortable. And you get, you know, three guys talking about, you know, penises or something, whatever the topic is that we're talking about ejaculation. I mean, the, the, the conversations are really fun, but they're serious too, in a lot of ways and guys are getting answers. And so they're laughing, but they're actually learning and they're doing it in a way that's kind of private and very personal. And then, you know, hopefully we're helping some guys think about, all right, I, I shouldn't feel bad. I can do something about this. I mean, there's so many regulations though, with medical stuff, right? Like you have to go through probably so many hoops for every different region, city, not there's just for every different state that alone must be very timely, right? And is it, is it expe- that, is that expensive? I would imagine that's very expensive to kind it, of it, practicing medicine. I mean, you know, one of the problems that makes healthcare so damn inaccessible in this country is just exactly that. You are spot on. I mean, the law does not support uh, or regulations don't support um, broad availability and 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 an easy way of practicing healthcare. Licenses everywhere. The way that you prescribe drugs. Just just everything's just hard. And in a yeah. world. Can order a car, order a dinner, you know, order anything online, pills for that matter online. It sure seems like healthcare should be able to be that simple. And so that's part of the challenge. We're saying, all right, tell you what, you know, at least guys for now, but for everybody later, we will make this so much easier for you that you won't have to struggle like everybody has always struggled. We're just going to simplify this and make healthcare available for you. And we'll do all the hard work behind the scenes so you never have to. And do you think that eventually insurance will be able to kick in or that's just not going to happen? That's a tough one. We, you know, we take insurance for COVID testing um, for a lot of the places where we do a lot of testing, but for men's health, you know, women had to fight for decades to get care for basic things like mammography or pap smears or things that you can't even conceive wouldn't Mm -hmm. be covered today, right? It would be horrifying to think that a woman wouldn't be able to check for breast cancer at a young age because insurance wouldn't cover it. But a few years ago, a little bit more than a few years ago, that was not always the case. Right. Men are exactly where women uh, were and that much of the care that we go and get is not covered by insurance unless something's just broken. So I can go in and claim to be sick and have my insurance cover it. But if I want to do something that's preventative, not covered. So we're right. working hard to show the payers, the insurance companies that the kind of care that we're delivering is actually making it easier to keep people out of the healthcare system and for them to want to pay for it so that guys will just be thinking prevention before they think um, recovery. Prevention, right? right. It's always going to be cheaper down the road, oh, right? If you yes. prevent, for sure. I mean, I think that's it, Jason. It's I'm done with you. You you did great. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for uh, being a guest on uh, on Habits and Hustle. It was a pleasure. This was so fun. I'm I'm hoping that uh, the hustle part will get me through the rest of the day. I really I love talking to you. Thanks for giving me the time and sharing with me. This was fun. Oh, absolutely. I love talking to you. I just learned a bunch of stuff about uh, the male, uh, just basically <laughs> the male, the, the 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 male healthcare system or so or whatever. I can't wait yeah. to have a female. The the, the the women stuff. When do you think we can get, when do you think that will happen realistically? Uh, stay tuned. 2021 is going to be a very busy year and we're, we're coming upon it fast. So it's, it's, it's going to come. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. How, how do people find more information on Vault Health or you or whatever, wherever? Yeah, you, your can, you can you can Google the hell out of it. Uh, you can definitely <laughs> listen to the you can definitely listen to uh, the podcast. Get it up, but um, but you can also come to vaulthealth.com or if you need a COVID test, that's the big one. Vaulthealth.com slash COVID, uh, and we'll be here to help you. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I'm I appreciate delighted. it. You too. Thank you so much. Habits and hustle. Time to get it rolling. Stay up on the grind. Don't stop. Keep it going. Habits and hustle from nothing into something. All out. Hosted by Jennifer Cohen. Visionaries. Tune in. You can get to know them. Be inspired. This is your moment. Excuses. We ain't having that. The Habits and Hustle podcast powered by Habit Nest. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. 
I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.